Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Art Juice with me, Alice Sheridan. And me, Louise Fletcher. So we summarize this as honest, generous and humorous conversations that will feed your creative soul and get you thinking. So if you're new around here from one of our many recent recommendations, hello, it's lovely to have you. We hope you enjoy this episode. We have got a lot to be talking about this week and we're actually going to be dipping our toe into sending artist emails. Now this is a big subject, we can't cover all of this in just one episode or just one discussion but also we know that this is something that a lot of people kind of get hung up about and certainly there are certainly things about emails that I still find frustrating not knowing if I'm doing it the right way could I be doing it better so we're going to be talking about emails as our main topic but first of all what have you been doing this week Louise? Well I'll keep mine brief because I think you're having a more exciting time than me at the moment I have been really busy because I've I'm still painting I moved on to some big panels from paper although I'm going to go back and forth between the two and I'm really pleased with what's happening um but I'm away next week because I'm coming to your course up in Yorkshire and apparently at the moment it's glorious and and then it shows rain for next week so oh, I, I was going to ask you what it was going to be well it's I never right looked. it's never right because we're up in the hills you, you can never predict so I'm yeah. gonna just think good thoughts for the weather it is beautiful at the moment but because of that and I have my course going on all the stuff that I would have been doing next week I'm going to pre-prepare I'm also transforming my uh studio into oh. your, your uh guest flat for when oh. you're here oh I don't need an entire flat by the way well, it'll just be nicer for you to be. You don't want to listen to my husband snoring, let me put it that way. <laughs> you don't have to listen to it here because our guest bedroom is right above our bedroom and it's not a peaceful night's sleep. I don't so, mind, honestly, seriously, nothing disturbs me once I'm asleep, so don't put yourself out. Oh, well, I'm halfway through now, so okay, I'm not stopping. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm doing all that and this is just bad timing. A year ago, I, I agreed to speak to a local art club, mm. and it happens to be the second evening of your course. Mm. So I have to beetle back here and then get over to that, which in itself is fine, but it means I have to be all prepared really before Sunday night for that talk. So it's just a little bit busy at the moment, but everything will get done as it always does. Lots of logistics then. Yeah. But you'll feel good when it's prepared early rather than... yes. Yeah, and I won't have to worry about any of it. And you don't need to eat while you're here, do you? You'll be fine. <laughs> Just throw some bread and water under the door. <laughs> That's what it is in my house, so that will be fine. <laughs> so I want to know about your week because it looks really exciting. It's been quite busy, actually, um, and I'm slightly feeling it today. I've had three starts in the last week where I have to be not just up, but out of the house by 6.30 in the morning, which is pushing it for me, like, it yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, that's what time my, my alarm normally goes off. But to get everything ready and be out and on your way somewhere by 6.30 has felt a bit like uh, not very much fun. Um, but one of them was for a co-working away day with people who use Kajabi, which is what I use for my membership. And 
I went with ideas of what I wanted to resolve. But actually, of course, as is always the way, I didn't do what I went with intentions of, but I came back with a, a clearer idea of next steps for something. So um, things have been busily working away on kind of exciting and kind of boring dull admin business things behind the scenes but that's quite fun but the main purpose of that really was to say that it's always interesting isn't it when you and why I went all that way for that so it was two and a half hour drive there and it took me four hours to get home plus the bit in the middle so that was a long day but always when you're in a room with other people who are interested in doing the same things as you it's always really fascinating. You always learn from where they are. Somebody's further ahead than you. Somebody's further behind you. And you just never know what that kind of day is going to bring. So whenever the opportunity for anything like that comes up, I always say yes, because it always takes you to a new place. So, mm-hmm. so I have been painting again, but it's not the kind of painting that we want yet. So um, yesterday I had two guys come and fix false walls for me for the studio. and we were doing pretty well. And I thought, this is going to be good. And I kind of made the mistake at lunchtime of saying to them, if we do really well, maybe you can help me with the painting. And after lunch, their rate of work significantly slowed down. They clearly (laughs) (laughs) didn't want to do any painting at all. But by that stage, the the idea had occurred to me. So um, I made a start on the painting and I just got to that stage. I thought, "Oh, oh, oh, if I just stay a little bit longer, I can get the second coat on everything done. So I had a 10 hour day in the studio yesterday. Wow. Yeah, long day. But it's good. The big wall looked amazing though. It did. And um, people have been asking me on Instagram because the studio changes. I'm saving the stories into an Instagram highlights because there have been some interesting recommendations about insulated boiler suits. Thank you very much. I'm going to be (laughs) looking great. Um, And I know that studio storage is a big issue. So ultimately, I hope this will make it to a blog post. But until then, it's in Instagram stories. But one of the questions that I've been getting from a few different people is, why are you bothering with fixing false walls? So the walls are breeze block, which are great for holding up the roof, but they crumble very easily when you screw into them. And because I have to reinstate everything exactly as it is when I leave if I have multiple holes in there for hanging a grid of paintings off a I think it's just going to crumble and fall off and breeze block and that's going to be an awful lot of holes to fill so this batten system with a false wall over the top is what I have in my current studio and it works really well so I've been building that and one extra wall at the end so behind it is space for ugly storage and I've fitted a tall shelving unit and it's kind of braced to the opposite wall. So it's really solid now. It's good, actually. I was a bit worried it was going to be wobbly. It's not wobbly. And does it's it still good. feel like does it still feel like a massive amount of space or is it starting to feel more homely? It's starting to feel it's definitely starting to feel like mine. Um it still feels quite a big space, but it is starting, it's beginning to be a little bit more human relatable, which yeah. I think is important. So yeah, good balance. I hope, I hope we're keeping the balance right. So that's what's been going on this week. Exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. But you know, it will be nice when we get back to proper painting too. Yeah. Quite, quite looking long, forward to that. How far away do you think you are? Well, I think after the teaching week next week, 
then I'm going to be back in it and right. um, check, talk about blank canvas fear. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you're in school and you get your new exercise book only on a massive scale, 700 square foot exercise book to fill. yeah and the first page on your exercise book is really neat handwriting yeah <laughs> yeah so expect the first paintings to be what really neat and tight and rubbish <laughs> I don't know let's see so we're going to be talking about emails and I don't mean whether you've got 2000 unopened emails in your inbox not sure if I'm talking to anybody in particular feeling guilty there but talking about the kind of emails that you send as an artist so I guess the first question that we're not going to be able to hear your answers on is who already has an email list going and who doesn't and I think some of the things that we might be talking about will be relevant for both of you, but really by the end of this conversation, we thought it would be really nice to talk about this because we both feel that it's an essential part of your communication as an artist, but we also know that it's something, the fear of starting it and actually doing it really holds people back. So was that something that you ever felt when you got started or did you just kind of jump into it? Well, I did just jump into it, but to be really honest, shall I be really honest? Go on. The, I do two newsletters. One is an artist newsletter that goes out every Sunday evening. That's to other artists. I have no problem with that. I jumped into that. I do it religiously. It's always at the same time every week. Easy. My own newsletter to my art buyers and collectors and people who might be interested in my work is more sporadic and I struggle more with it and I always have so um I I, I, you know bit not the right person to be telling everybody what to do with newsletters I do probably one every two months and really it should be one every month Mm. I think and I'm always uncomfortable about it and it always takes me a long time to get it done. Whereas the the Sunday newsletter is like done easy, spend an hour on it and have a, you know, something I think is really good to go out. Did you start them both at the same time? No, I started my artist newsletter first. My, sorry, the one about my art I've been doing for three or four years. I didn't start the artist newsletter till last summer. So the the artist newsletter feels like perhaps you've got more purpose for it or you feel more confident in its purpose. Yes, I think... I mean, I it's just think, finding your place. Yes, I think what it is for me is, and I wrote this in my notes to talk about, but I feel like a newsletter that anybody would open should give, offer them something. What's in it for me? It should mm-hmm. be of value to the recipient and my artist newsletter I know is I know I talk about things that are of interest I know I'm I can inspire people I know I have interesting thoughts all of that I'm confident about when it comes to telling people about my own work I struggle more because I don't want to be like blah blah look at me blah blah here I am (laughs) this is what I'm doing I want to make it more interesting I want to make it of value to them, 
which means more thought has to go into it because it's not as obvious do you know what I mean yeah your audience is harder to define isn't it whereas if you're talking to other artists you know exactly what they're there for whereas collectors is a more malleable group yeah yeah so it's harder to know what what they're going to be interested in yeah but I still do I still do make myself do it because I still think it's important I just don't do it as often as I should yeah so I have almost the exact opposite in the sense that I only I only have that's not quite true is it I was going to say I only have one email newsletter I have one main email newsletter and because I started it before I was even thinking about talking to other artists it just goes to everybody Mm -hmm. um I have tried to segment it since then but a lot of people aren't clean keen it seems to click and segment themselves into groups so only a smaller percentage of the total list is actually divided into groups which effectively makes them a little bit redundant um so what I do have my talking to artists newsletter is is simply I guess the wait list for the things that I offer specifically to artists and so that I can contact them as and when that's relevant but the main newsletter is goes to everybody so I hope that there are sections in it for people who are collectors and sections in it that are more relevant for people who are artists and the worlds are combined Mm -hmm. Um, and for me I think that makes it easier to send one of the things that have been holding me back from having two separate lists or two segmented lists has been well then I'll have to think what information is relevant for which group and how do I divide it and I just know I would just turn myself in circles and the end result would be that I wouldn't send anything so I guess my key thing here is if you're if you haven't even started it yet keep it simple yeah keep it simple and and what we always come back to saying is keep it suited to you so you know that about yourself you know that if you did that if you separated them it would make it difficult for you Mm. I know about myself that if I put them into one then I'd get bogged down with thinking oh but nobody who's not an artist will want to know any of this and therefore I wouldn't send my artist newsletter so it's knowing isn't it what's going to it's knowing what blocks you. Because I was thinking, well, what if oh, there's a butterfly in the room? <laughs> if I suddenly scream and run, and run away, it's because there's a butterfly flapping around. I was thinking, what if you're a person who just really finds it a labor to write? Then writing a newsletter must be a nightmare. I, well, the actual writing of it, I think the... Mm. the biggest difficulty I think there are two really big difficulties actually that stop people um I think writing is there but the biggest one is the technical hiccup like the the fear of getting the this is another thing to learn I've got to get started with this Uh, I don't even want to look at it I think that's the thing that really stops people in the first place and then I guess it's it's what am I going to say in it of which the writing is part of it. So yeah. you use MailChimp. I use MailChimp. Yeah. MailChimp, when, when I started, 
it was basically a choice of MailChimp or much more complicated things like Infusionsoft who were for serious business people and were serious money. Um, and MailChimp, I kind of feel like they've given me a free service for a very long time. So now I should be quite happy that I'm paying them because it's been, you know, it's been a good free ride with MailChimp. Yeah. But what's happened since then, there have been some newer people come on the block. So if you're starting fresh, I would also recommend that you looked at MailerLite. I haven't used it. I've logged in. I've looked at their interface. It looks quite nice. It looks quite clean. But at the beginning, we don't really want something. And it doesn't need to be that complicated. And those two are the two places to start at the beginning. But it's always yeah. a bit daunting when you look at new software, isn't it? Yes. And MailChimp, I do remember feeling quite difficult to me at first when I started using it, even though it's got a nice interface that looks fairly clean. It's not, it's, it's very complicated. It can do very complicated things. So in order for it to do all those very complicated things, which we don't need, it can be a bit confusing mm. the way. So I found it a bit daunting. So, so I would, and I'm quite good with software, I think, but you can work your way through it. And I think that when you find, when you start a new software like that and you think, oh, I don't know what to do. It's just realizing that this will be easy to fit. This will be something I can figure out. I just have to take it in bite-sized pieces, look for some videos, follow our articles, follow exactly what they say. And I will get there. But what tends to happen, I think, is it's a bit like that blank canvas. We go, ah, this is just too much. I don't understand this. And then we say things like, oh, well, I'm not good with technology and it's just too intimidating and I don't want to deal with mm. it. Mm. And the only difference between us and people who say they're no good with technology is that we spent some frustrating, sweary late nights Mm. getting it wrong well I yep. did anyway I don't know about you <laughs> well what I did is basically I promised people that I would send them something so I had no choice but to figure it out I, yeah. I had an open studio and we'd done these um uh etching plates um dry point etching plates together and I promised people that I would ink them up and show them the results in a in an email if they signed up and they wanted to see it so uh had to do it and I think often that that's that's my way of tricking myself into do so, into doing something. You know, I give myself no option, but I have to do it. When there's yeah. an option, I will find wiggle room. You know, I can find wiggle room like the best of them. So if there's no option and you've told people it's happening, then you you, you make sure that it will. But why? What's the point even in putting ourselves through any of this angst? So. <sighs> Everybody always says, and you know, you often hear people say, what's the one thing that you wish you'd done earlier in business? And if you haven't done it, most people say, start an email list. Because until then, there's a lot, there can be a lot of focus on websites and all of that. But you know from your habit, if you visit a website and there isn't a reason to stick around or come back to it, you it's called your bounce rate. You come on and you go off again. If there's no reason to stay in touch with that person or to see what they're doing, that website visit is pointless. It's got no benefit to you at all. It serves no purpose having lots and lots of people come and have a look at your paintings and think they're lovely if they don't stick around and want to see more on a more regular basis. And how does a newsletter then fit into that? 
I think, so this might be a bit controversial, but in the last year or two, I think it's become a bit less of, of the pie of what I think is important when someone comes to my yeah. website. I think Facebook and Instagram for me have become just as important or possibly more important. Mm-hmm. However, all three of those things are really important. So whichever way people want to choose to stay in touch with you, whether it's email, Facebook, Instagram, I don't have Twitter, but that might be a mistake because some people might choose Twitter. Yeah. Um, but there are still people who choose email over those other things. There are still people who are not on Facebook for various reasons and who yep. don't use Instagram. And being able to sign up for your email just means they can stay in touch. I know that I've been to websites of artists whose work I loved. Then when I've come back to look again, I can't remember what they were called. That's happened to me more than once. I think, who was that person yeah, whose work yeah. I loved that time? And so if there had been a way to either connect with them on Facebook, Instagram, or sign up for an email, then I've got an instant way to come back to them a year later, two years later, when I want to buy a painting, even if I don't even open those emails when they come to me. Yeah. Even if I just click and file them away. It's just that constant reminder thing, isn't it? And, yeah. you know... I'm sure we've spoken about this before, but this kind of regular contact, regular touch points, regular ways for people to see your work. As you say, even I have emails coming into my uh, inbox that I do delete without reading. And because I send them now, I think, oh, I'm really sorry every time I do this. (laughs) Every time I delete one, a little bit of me says, sorry, but this isn't anything personal. But that's also a good thing to, to recognize that it genuinely isn't. So when you send emails and you get people deleting them or not opening them, it's just because they're busy that day. It, it, yeah. it is nothing personal to you. But I think that what's happened is that uh, following on social media for many people can be a first interim step to wanting to keep in touch with you. It's much softer. Mm-hmm. it's a little bit less intrusive the danger with it is of course that with algorithm changes and issues somebody might follow you on social media but not actually see anything so if you can actively encourage and grow albeit it is going to be much slower an email list that is more reliable that's how i see email is still fitting into the picture that people who are on my email list are essentially more committed than just following on social media and in that sense I tend to treat them differently I give them often more advanced notice on things Um, they get prior access to new work usually before it goes certainly before it goes on the website but often before it even goes to an art fair or something like that Mm -hmm. so if they've been following for a while they have an opportunity to jump in if they see something that they really like before it's made available to everybody so there's a different level of intimacy I feel with an email than whatever you put on social media Hmm. I don't agree I feel that I I don't I don't disagree because everybody's different so that's true for you but I don't necessarily feel like it's true for me Um, and again maybe that's just the way I'm using that newsletter I I, what frustrates me is the open rates and so people should understand that when you when you get an email list of say 500 people if you 
if you are doing really well, then 250 of them will open it. And that's so that's a 50. So that's a 50% open rate. Yeah. If you're doing yeah. really well, I mean, the, the industry average for artists is 25%. Hang on. Say that. Say stop, 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 stop. Yeah. I froze up. The, the, industry, industry, yeah. the industry average for artists, according to MailChimp, is 25%, a 25% yeah. open rate. And that's not bad. You know, that's in, in terms of business open rates, 25% isn't bad. That's partly because things don't get delivered, partly because they go into spam, partly, like you said, people are busy, um, whatever the reasons are. But mine, mine used to be about 80%. Mm-hmm. and now it's more like 65 66% and i don't think the content's changed but what's changed is it's harder i find it harder with email now than it used to be i think people so have perhaps bombarded well, they could be that but also you've been very actively and consciously um I want to use the word aggressively, but that's the wrong thing. <laughs> but it's been a real key thing that you've been focusing on is growing your email list. And I think inevitably in doing that, you're going to get a higher percentage of people who are in on it. Yeah, just because they're in on it rather yeah. than they really yeah. want to be. Whereas uh, I've always been much... I've I've never pushed it like the, the the key thing that everybody recommends you do is have what's called a lead magnet. Yeah. So you I offer something that. you offer something to somebody for free. Um a, you know a useful thing that's relative to what they might want to get from you and I just never could work it out. So anybody who's on my email list is just there because all I've ever promised them is that I will show them work from time to time. Yeah. So I hope that's what they want to see because Yeah, I've never get. I've never come up with an idea for what might work for for the art side of things. Like, yeah. what would you give people? I don't know yeah. what that would be. But I think, you see, if I compare that to when I do a video of me working and put it on Facebook, yeah. I can get to three or 4,000 views on that. But my uh, newsletter open rate, if I, on a good week, I can get to 1,800 people. Yeah. So... It's just, it's not that I don't think it's worth it. It's just I've noticed a shift. And from talking to other people, I think it's a shift across across all industries that email is not what it used to be because it's like everything. What happens with these things is every, there's early adopters do it and it's fine. And then other people start to come on board and then it's fine. And then eventually the mass market comes on board. And then at that point, everyone's bombarded with emails from everything. You buy a screwdriver at Screwfix and all of a sudden you're getting emails from Screwfix for the rest of your life three times a day. Mm. So I think it's just the natural order of things. But I don't say it to discourage anyone because I still think it's really valuable to do. I just so think here, you've got to be realistic. I just don't want people to feel discouraged if they build up this email list and then find out that only half the people are seeing yeah. what they wrote. Yeah. I don't want people to feel like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. Because actually, if half the people see it, you're doing something right. Yep. Yep. No, I agree with you entirely. But I think what is important, if you think about things that you have uh, actually taken action on, so not just 
watched on Facebook or commented or liked on Instagram or even had a direct message about on Instagram, but actually clicked through and bought something, I think that that is still much more likely to come from an email because of the how much easier it is for somebody to do that when they're in that process of reading an email. So for Mm. example, the courses next week, I sent out an email because I know from there that people will click and there's the information. Yeah. And I did um, my, my free course, I did most of it by email. So, um, you know, um, emailing my news, my two newsletter lists got about 40% of all the signups for the free course came Mm -hmm. from just my existing people. Then I went out and got new people as well. But that's really good. You know, that the number that signed up just through the newsletters would have been a good number. So it's, it's, it is really effective and you have, and I have got, you also build up a relationship with people through email, which I, th- I think you maybe do on social media too, but I have people who answer my artist newsletter. Yes. And they write back with really quite personal stuff. Yes. Um, in response to something that I wrote, because it feels to them like you're writing just to them. Yeah. Whereas Facebook feels like you're broadcasting to the world. Yeah. And this whole thing about how you write to people and how you speak to people is completely key. And actually it applies whether it's a Facebook post or an Instagram post or, or an email is not to simply broadcast. So I have some artist emails that I get and I only ever hear from them when they've got an exhibition on or when they've got something online to buy. And it doesn't feel very nice. I'm, I'm, if I'm not, if I'm only getting two emails from them a year and it's then I'm not involved in what they're doing. I'm not that interested. That's much more likely to be the kind of email that I hit delete rather than even go off and have a look and see what they're doing because there's no relationship there. And this is the purpose of sending regularly. And for most marketing people, that might be once a week or once every two weeks but I agree with you I think once a month for art is plenty to keep you kind of top of mind without starting to be annoying so let's assume that people have made a decision and they've gone with MailChimp and MailerLite um, if you want to be much more complicated about this you could look at active campaign um, but you're yeah I I just can't, I still can't see, and I have been grappling with this for a long time, a very specific need for that, for what most artists need to do with it. So I would really say you don't need to get that complicated. It's far better to have a simpler system and to write something regularly than it is to choose something that's got all the bells and whistles and then don't send anything at all. And there's just one thing I could say, Um, as well as sending something once a month, Mm something it took me two years to do but it's so important and and useful is to set up an automated one-time email that goes out when people sign up because mm. if people sign up to your email list and then it's crickets for a month they don't hear anything they might have forgotten that they signed up by the time they get an email but yeah. just all these systems allow you to write an automatic response that just says, welcome to my email list. I'm so glad that you're here and maybe links them to some of your other 
you know, come and check out my blog or you can also find me on Facebook or send me what I say in my automatic welcome to the artist list is um, if you've got time, just drop me a quick note with your number one question or issue about your art because what that does is give me information for my marketing in the future or for my content creation it gives me a chance to email them back with an answer if I can help nice and build a relationship but it's done automatically so I don't even know that email goes out it just goes out so I just wanted to say that to do yeah that's a really good point Really, really good point. And I think that comes back to what we were saying at the beginning. It also took me ages to set one up. And because once you set it up, it's set it and forget it. I think I probably need to go back and have a look at mine again. See what it says. Yeah, see what it says. (laughs) Check that it's still relevant. I think it goes through to um, an offer code for um, getting a discount from prints, which is still valid. So if anyone wants to print, you can do that. But I think that's the kind of thing that when you go to set it up the first time, you're so pleased that you've set up anything that you think, oh my gosh, an automated reply, that's really too complicated. I can't do that. But even if you need to have a couple of weeks break in between getting it set up and doing that automated reply to lie down on a couch a little bit yeah have a cup of tea and a biscuit or a g&t and then go back to it it doesn't need to be complicated it's just what you'd say to somebody hello thank you for having me here like louise said it's really nice to talk. you can find me more on other places this is what you're going to get from me and this is what i'll be sending you just i think the question is a really nice thing though nice tip yeah, I stole that from some marketing person. I didn't think of it myself, but it is, you do get all sorts of interest. I'm trying to think though, what would you do for art lovers in that question? What would you say that, you know, what would you invite people? It's just a, a way of inviting people to get back in touch with you instantly, as you said, to start a conversation rather than to be broadcasting. I think what I'd like to do that I haven't done yet is to do is to record a welcome video that shows people my studio is me actually saying hello and then within that email that you could have a you could have a link to that that's not a question but I'm thinking that much more that people who are potential collectors and actual artists that's what they want to see they want to have a little glimpse inside so that would be a nice way of sharing it question what question would you want to ask people it's tough because actually what you're sending out to people means that you're hoping at some point they might buy something but you don't want to be talking about that really at the beginning I suppose you could say um these are not the right words but I always want my newsletter to be informative fun interesting if there's anything you would like to know um or anything you think it would be interesting for me to share um well then no not if there is so rephrase that what would you like to see from me what would you love to hear what would you like me to share something like that would be a way to get a response but I don't know if it would be as effective I think it's quite a complex response isn't it yeah when you have a the art thing the artist thing is easy like what's your biggest concern or question well the buyers don't necessarily have a concern or question they just like your paintings yeah you could have something really easy like uh who's your favorite who's your favorite um painter or if you could have any painting in the world to hang on your wall 
who yeah, what would you have good. you know something that's fun and lively like that without yeah. being necessarily related to your work but and that's good because it doesn't require them to type very much they don't have to write a long response they exactly. can just send yeah I like that if you were being really clever about it which I'm clearly not what you should do really is to do one thing and try it for two months see how many people you got who actually bothered replying and then do something else and test it for two months and then you'd know which one worked better. Yeah. Good you, idea. You can be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we can, of course we can be bothered. Lots of really good ideas, but lots of things that don't necessarily happen. So there we go. So get an account set up, do a thank you. Hello. Nice to have you here. And let's talk a little bit more then about what you actually say in your email. So what's the hang up for sending something regularly? So you've already spoken a bit about this. Why can you not just share your working practice in exactly the same way that you send out to other artists? And, and this is what I end up doing. But I think why I can't do it as easily is it feels very much like me, 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 whereas the artist email feels like it's serving. It and feels this like is, it's This is what we spoke about last week. The this is me, me, look at me, love me. I know. If somebody I know. has signed up for your for to see your work and to find yeah. out more about it, that's what they want to see. I know. So what I have done, the ones I've done that have been successful in terms of open rates and responses from people have been the ones where I share things about some, where I include a video often yeah. and where I share about my process. And really all I would have to do is once a month, go through my Facebook page, look for the most interesting posts that I've done and the videos that I've posted, take a couple of those and then write a little blurb and I could compile something really interesting. I also think what I do that I really like is because I want to give value. Um, I, I highlight other artists to the people who've got my newsletter. So I say my artist of the month is now it's not really artist of the month. It's artist of the two months because I haven't sent a newsletter, but I like doing that because I'm introducing the people who read my newsletters, some other artists they might yeah. like. I don't do historical artists. I do people who are working now. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's, it's, that feels like an act of service to me. So then it feels a little bit more like there's a reason why they might want to open my email other than just blah, blah. I'm Louise. Look at me. Blah, blah. Here I Here's am. Here's my stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I shared once a, uh, an article that was actually, it was nothing to do with me. It was um, a, an interview on YouTube and it was Helen Mirren speaking about her favorite artist. And I can't remember what context I put it in now, but that was within the body of the email because what she was talking about must've been relevant to the way that I was thinking about things. So it, it wasn't about my art, but it was about the way that I was approaching things or how people value what's important or an idea that I think it was Kandinsky, her favorite, um, how she valued what he was working and what that put into art for her. And therefore it was about that connection that people have with artwork and how it is inspiring within their life. So it doesn't always have to be something that you've created yourself 
it can be links to other yeah. people's contents as well is absolutely fine and within mailchimp you can actually embed that video if you want to you can add a link to youtube or you can actually embed it within your email um so all sorts of things that you can do lots of people do use it as um as a summary of what's happened recently so if you do write blogs or obviously for us podcast often i have a link to the bottom of a couple of the previous podcast episodes just as a reminder if people haven't seen it but the biggest tip that i like was from judith morgan my coach and she always said right back at the beginning although she's not in love with emails at the moment at all but I still think that this is relevant is that people have given you something and it's nice to in within an email give them something extra so this comes back to the idea of intimacy anybody can like your Facebook page see what you've got on your website read your blog they don't have to exchange an email or share their email with you to do that so something that is a little bit more special and relevant within an email is a nice way of saying thank you and by that all I mean is that actually you've written a piece that isn't a blog that isn't mm-hmm. something that's already available on social media where perhaps you're talking a little bit more personally or you're giving more behind the scenes photographs or something about your work that people can't find in any other place so that's yeah. what I try to include in my emails I agree with that too I don't um I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong if your newsletter is just a summary of things you've done in, in other places. Yeah. But but in the Sunday newsletter that I do, I link to things that happen during the week. I show up, share our podcast. I share anything I've posted, any videos I've made. But there's a, an article in that newsletter which isn't published anywhere else yeah. every week. Yeah. Because otherwise, why would somebody sign up? if they're not getting something different. And so I suppose going back to the question you asked about the art lovers, then they need to see more. So I'm working on a big project at the moment. I could share just what happened that week. I could just share what happened that week. But it doesn't even, yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't even have to be every week, does it? It can be. And I think that is the slight danger of, well, it is for me, certainly. I find that when I get to the end of the month, a lot's happened and it sometimes yeah. it's yeah. quite difficult to cherry pick and choose what you think is actually going to be relevant. And actually, in some sense, sharing things on social media as you go is easier because for me, certainly, there is no planning involved. I just, if there's something to say, I say it. If there's nothing to say, I didn't say anything. Whereas yeah. at the end of the month on an, on, on an email newsletter, you're thinking, gosh, well, I've actually got to work out what's going to be helpful and informative here. And that can be a little bit of a stumbling block. So, yeah. but we don't have to write. So we, you've spoken about videos. If you, if you enjoy doing videos, you could either embed a video or share a link to it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, Nicholas Wilton does his weekly vlog thing. So he yeah. doesn't write a newsletter and he doesn't write a blog. But once a week, every Sunday, you get this video message. But again, that's for other artists, which is a different category. And I think lots of people listen to this, you know, they want to know what they send out, what to send out to collectors. But I'm just saying, couldn't you do that once a month? Yes, absolutely, you could. A video, if you really don't like writing, in other words, you could just do, just talk and send that out. 
Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I just had I just had a thought as well. So the once a month, yes, it's a lot at the end of the month to say, oh, if I try start trying to tell them everything that's happened on this project in a month. So what I could do and what this might be good for other people is open up a MailChimp, open up my new set up a newsletter for October now. And at the end of the week, just go in and write that week's stuff, like a few notes on what happened in an image. And then the end of the month, I'll have four weeks written up and I could either change that into a, a, a post about the whole thing or I could just show it week by week. This is what I did. Yeah, that way of key. And also, of course, if you have been sharing on social media, you don't even have to do that as a, as a separate document. You've got your record already. So that's yeah. your, that's often my prompt or reminder. If I, sometimes you sit down and you think, oh, it's either been a crazy busy month and also, ah, what am I going to write about? Nothing's happened. And actually go back through your camera roll, go back through what you have been posting about on social media. You think, oh yeah, actually that's a good point for a newsletter. Yeah. Off yeah. it goes. The key thing here is to be doing it fairly regularly-ish. So just ways to encourage people to sign up to your newsletter. You can add a link in your email signature. Don't forget to mention it in your Instagram bio. If you either have a page on your website or you use something like Linktree, mention that you have a newsletter on there, or you could just add a direct link. On your website, there are lots of places. So on your homepage, as a separate menu header within the sidebar of a blog and embedded within each blog itself. On Facebook, you can actually add a sidebar option and link that in that will integrate with MailChimp um, and also the occasional Facebook post about it, giving people the link, asking them to sign up. One thing that I did that I think made a huge difference. When you sign up with MailChimp, you get a funny little web address that you can give out that's called ee pearl and it's just numbers or something one of the things that i did was actually create a page that included a sign up form on it specifically so rather than just sending people simply to that mailchimp sign up there is a page and i'll include that in the show notes so that you can see what i mean because in the language that you're talking about, you can actually talk to people more specifically where they are. So I think in mine, I say something along the lines of um, social media is great, but it's really easy to lose track of where you've been. Having an email is a way to make sure that you reliably see what's new and what's going on. And for people who've come over from social media, that's going to ring bells for them because they know what it's like that things flip past. And I think that made a big difference for me. So that would be another good tip that I would encourage you to have a look at doing. The only other thing I was going to say as well is um, uh, when you're on MailChimp, and I'm sure it's the same on MailerLite, after people sign up, they get redirected to a a generic thank you page that MailChimp creates, you can very easily tell it to, to go to a thank you page of your own. And the reason that's so important is on the thank you page where they sign up, it's hosted on your website and you should say on there, um, you will be getting a confirmation email if you set that automated email up. You will be receiving an email from me. Please check spam if you don't receive it please check your promotions folder in Gmail. If people use Gmail, things often go in there and you actually spell these things out. And if you say on there and add me to your contacts, if you want to be sure to get my emails, that's all these things you can say on your thank you page 
you can also say, come and join me on Facebook, come and join me on Instagram. So it's another contact point if you make your own thank you page rather than using the MailChimp one. Yep. Good tips from Louise there. I don't have, I think I just have thank you and some of those other things. I don't have those instructions about adding people to um, contact lists or anything like that. So that's really good. So hopefully you're on both of our email lists already, but if not, it's quite, I won't change anything in the next week. Um, Why don't you see what the sequence is when you sign up for mine and what the sequence is when you sign up for Louise's and make notes as you're doing it. I'm sure there are plenty of things that we can improve. If you haven't started writing and sending emails yet, there will be lots of things that you can improve in time as well. But the key thing here is to get started with it if you haven't already. And if you have, just re-engage and make a point of saying hello to people on your email list. And when you do that, if it has been a big gap, I wouldn't necessarily apologize for it. Everybody's busy. They probably haven't even noticed that you haven't even been sending emails. So you don't need to make a big deal of the fact that you haven't been doing it. Just talk about what you're doing now and get that email started again. And now that you're all going to go check our email list, the minute we hang up, we're going to go rush and make sure that we've got everything properly done. <laughs> well, I just said, I'm not going to change anything on mine. So you're going to get it mistakes and mistakes and er- yeah. ever, but we'll put, we'll put some links in the show notes and then you'll be able to find and see the different options. Okay, before we go on to um, inspiration this week, I've just got a very quick question that came to me from, well, I suppose it is my inspiration, really. Um, I've really enjoyed watching Bake Off this week. So um, this is Great British Bake Off. It's a cake baking program. It was I know that sounds boring, but it really isn't. (laughs) Well, it was on the BBC and everybody said, oh, it's so lovely. It's so English. Everybody is so nice. And then it switched to Channel 4 and everyone thought, oh, this is going to be really commercial and horrible and it's not it's exactly the same um and it's it's a little bit more complicated than people getting uptight about scones and actually some of the things they create are amazing it's Mm. really a little bit too complex perhaps than most of us would do for home baking but in one of the episodes this week um some poor guy and he'd made this amazing molded cake and it had a a separate layer of soft cheesecake in the middle of the cake and when he went to turn the cake out this is at the end of two hours of baking time and preparation time the entire thing split and totally fell apart and what's lovely about Bake Off is everybody looks after each other and they're all nice to each other it's not this horrible combative uh, competition thing so that's what inspires me about it but what was interesting was one of the other contestants came up to him and he said don't be nice to me yet. And I know exactly what he means. Cause like, if you're in a stage where you're just trying to hold it together and somebody's nice to you, sometimes that can be the thing that tips you over the edge into <laughs> tears or grumpy or really losing it. So the question that this prompted for me, just let's spend a couple of minutes on this is when does your art go wrong and you feel really grumpy? So, you know, the days like when you've been painting and you come out and you're tired what you imagined at the beginning of the day hasn't worked. You fantasized about this amazing painting and what you've got left is this kind of uh, muddle that you don't even like. We all have those days. When you feel in that state, 
can anything that anyone else say make you feel better? Or is it something that you just have to get through on your own? No, they can't make me feel better. No. Because I know it's, even if they say, but it's really nice. I really like that. You don't believe them then, do you? No, here, have it then. Take it home. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So when you've had a day like that then, what do you do? Do do? Do you remember I was telling you about when everything went wrong on my course? I talked about this on the podcast that night when I was launching it and everything went wrong and my husband was going, but it'll be fine and people will catch up tomorrow and they'll still yeah. sign up. And I was like, go away. I can't have anyone tell me everything's going to be fine or, you know, don't worry. It just drives me mad. It literally makes me angry when people say that when you're yeah. upset already. Cause it's like they're saying they're there. Yeah. So, it's like they're dismissing it almost isn't it it's too quick yeah yeah I agree you're just trying to make me feel better and you have no idea about everything that's gone into what you're saying is okay it isn't okay when really it is okay but you feel like no it isn't okay yeah (laughs) so what do I what I do now is I actually I'm I'm a really bad meditator I'm awful at it because I just, my brain just talks and talks and talks, but I do it anyway. And, um, in the sum this summer, I sit in my garden. I have a lovely garden. I sit in the garden. I listen to the birds. I watch the trees and I just try and empty my mind. Well, actually what I do is I listen to what my thoughts are saying. I kind of watch them go by. Yep. And that gives me a sense of perspective about how pathetic they really are. Because here I am, a healthy person, Touchwood, sitting in a nice garden, you know, lucky enough to be able to afford food and roof over my head and all that. And so everything is really okay. That's what I do. Oh, you're good. I just kind of like to wallow in feeling sorry for myself for a bit. Seriously, I just think it's really frustrating. It's annoying when you have a day like that. And actually, again, it's part of that recognition thing. You know, don't be nice to me yet. Don't make it go away. I just want to accept that today has been a rubbish day and whatever I've done doesn't feel like it's worked. And I have to have that part first before then I can move on out of it. Yeah. Once I've done that, then I'm okay. Then I can pick myself up and do all the things like, yeah, well, it's only one day. Okay, tomorrow will be different. Then you could, then I can get out of it. But I do need that little bit of time of just allowing that, huh, this has really not gone to plan. I think it's what, it's what you just said. You can pick yourself up. You need to pick yourself up. Yeah. Somebody else tries to pick you up too soon. Yeah. Like, no, I want to stay down here. Yeah, you just go like jelly and run through their fingers and say, you're not picking me up anywhere. I'm staying here. Anyway, I hope that's not been your week this week or going to happen to any of you this week. But there we go. Little bit of perspective. That's kind of my inspiration too, actually. So hit me with yours. Oh, no. So you throw me into it. I have. So mine is actually, I was thinking this afternoon, I said to you the other day, I've been a bit down the last week. No real reason, just feeling a bit down. But um, I have been painting through it anyway. And so I was thinking, do I have any inspiration this week? Because I've just been feeling bare. 
but actually yes i do because i'm the reason i'm still painting every day is that it's going so well and i don't mean going well in the sense that oh i've got all these results that are fantastic and i just know the world's going to come knocking at my door when they see these paintings i don't mean that at all i have no idea if i've got anything that anyone else would like but i'm just having that that experience of when you let you really let the paintings guide you yeah. and and it flows and you keep being excited by things that happen and so it's just been a really good painting week in that sense and so it's like a circle the more you do the more excited you feel by something that happens then then you want to go back and do more and then something happens and you get excited and so yeah that's been my inspiration but interesting that you're talking about being excited with your painting and yet you've also felt a bit glum this week yeah I mean what's you know that we can actually have these two different emotional states kind of happening simultaneously yeah you kind of think if you're excited about your painting you'd be feeling on top of the world but yeah not necessarily no I I yeah well I'm a very complex person Alex either that or I'm just hormonal I think that's more likely it so the hormones are operating quite apart from the um you know the success or failure or whatever of what you're doing yeah but but what I always think on those weeks when I am feeling down is I thank goodness that I have this like yeah what what did I used to do when when I wasn't painting yeah well when you were feeling like that yeah, I just used to feel bad for a lot longer. It can, and it can, I can be really down and feel all right for that two hours. Even if when I come out, I go back to feeling down again. Yeah. I forget all about it while I'm working. It's like a little magic place, isn't it? It is, which I just think we're so lucky to have that when, pe- you know, so many people don't have anything like that. I just had to go in and see a bank person about doing banky important things. And in, in amongst the conversation, the guy who was, I don't know, 26 year old, he said, I'd really like to see some of your paintings. And I thought, well, this will be interesting. <laughs> so. <laughs> you never know. Do you? Oh, dear. <laughs> so I showed him and he was very good. And he said, yeah. I'm not sure I really understand that. He said, I can see things like, I quite like paintings like where there's a tree and I can see what it is. And so I sort of explained the difference between practicing a skill and then wanting to do something that's a bit deeper. But then when he said his favorite artist was Bob Ross, I thought, yeah, we're on a different... <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're on a different plane here. But we, made, we got there in the end because I said... It's about that thing, you know, as long as you have something that speaks to your soul that you're figuring out, and for some people it's music, and he, he was like, oh yeah, okay, I understand that, I understand that. So he, he was happy then, but you could see him thinking, weird, I don't understand how this is a business at all. Well, can you imagine that on a bigger scale? Because when I go do this speech next week, I'm fairly certain that the group of people I'm talking to are... Um, all painting representationally and nice landscapes and yeah. still lives and but I'm that's proper like, art that's proper art Louise you see 
I know. And I'm just going to come in and say, well, let me tell you all about the brilliant work I'm doing. And they're going to just think, well, that's just a load of blobs on it. <laughs> so I don't know how it's going to go. I think it'll be interested. I mean, and I was saying to this, um, to this guy, the point is that it's not that we have to like everything. It's not that we have to stay interested in everything. It's that actually our tastes change and our influences change. I mean, some of the music that my son used to listen to, my God, it used to make my ears bleed. And some of it now I listen to the car in on my own. I actively choose to listen to it that way. So, you know, things change. We can, we can have all sorts coming into our life. But yeah, thank goodness we have some of it. Thank you very much for being with us again this week. I'm guessing you're here because you already follow both or either one of us on social media. But if you haven't, do check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Or if you want to go through the sequence and see what's happening on newsletters and how you sign up for newsletters and get on that inner circle, then you can do that on Louise's website, which is louisefletcherart.com or on my website, which is alicesheridan.com. And we will see you again next time. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye. Bye. This nearly didn't happen because because my computer was plugged in and charging, or at least I thought it was charging, and I came back to pick it up to do the podcast, and it was on 3% battery because my husband had done that really annoying thing of switching all the plugs off at the wall. Oh, I hate that. I hate the plugs going up the wall. It's my, my plug. Na- my, it's my charging plug. <laughs> my neighbor's kid does that all the time, the one that comes here to play. And I say, don't turn the switches off because I need, you know... He says, it's using electricity when, when you're not even, you're just wasting money. I need, like, somebody okay, I, to, I need somebody to explain this to me, though, because how can it be using electricity because the electricity is not being used by anything? I don't know. But his dad is, well, we won't say tight. We'll say notoriously careful with money yeah. and extremely good with electronics. And so he must have learned that from his dad. So I'm assuming there's something to it. I don't know. Okay. Gonna, I shall find out for next we week. We need to investigate because that doesn't tally with what I learned in physics lessons at school. Oh, well, we it, it's also possible that he's just got the wrong end of the stick. So that is also possible. But anyway, what it ends up meaning is that I go to go out and my phone's on 5% charge. Exactly. I think it's been switched on and it hasn't. So there we go. This is a bit like my um, husband's turning the heating on. Off, isn't it? Oh, mine's not allowed. <laughs> want to turn it off? Yeah, because I get freezing. I, the minute the heating gets turned off, I'm like, has somebody changed the heating? I'm getting cold. I can just. So no, our house is quite, uh, apparently too warm. Oh, don't bring these jumpers with you. Okay, sounds lovely to me. 